and St. Louis roll out on top. The rookie walking away in count number three. It's Murphy on the inside. Donahue on the outside. Mark Tremaine into the infield. Mike Rollins off the top of the height. Yellow flag. Pile up in turn four. Mike Rollins off the top of the high in car number 90. Full throttle off the top for Rollins into the foam. for St. Louis at the start-finish line. The only thing that can stop him now is lap traffic crashing in front of him. White flag for Justin St. Louis. The battle will be for second. Shackard flag coming out. No contest for the crunch punch. Justin St. Louis wins it easily. Here comes the race for second. At the stripe. At the line, four second. Oh, I don't know. Welcome back, everybody, to Uncommon Deeds. Tom Corbett, he is the El Presidente, Justin St. Louis. Mm. Back with just an interesting episode this week that went places that no episode before us has gone. Yeah. Like into the back, out through the belly button kind of places. I don't know if that's the phrasing we want, but sure. No, but you'll, it'll it'll all tie in by the time this episode is done. You'll understand. Yeah, and a fairly, very nonchalant conversation about <laughs> Just very ho-hum matter-of-fact about it. Yeah, man. Um, you're all wondering what the hell are we talking about? Uh, Gene Munger, our guest this week is just a trip, man. And, uh, he has done and survived so much shit (laughs) and it's just another day for that guy. And I would not be able to handle life like that. He, yeah, he bounces to the beat of his own bongo. And it is a bongo that has been hit hard by a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I noticed on your tease for the episode you posted on Facebook and you mentioned all the different things and you forgot to mention the run over by a skid steer. Oh, yeah, I did. Yep. Run over by a skid steer. Uh, You know, one thing that I forgot to mention that we didn't even, we didn't talk about in the show, which we should have. And there was one other thing that he didn't bring up. Or he brought up with us in conversation after. I can't remember what that was. It was also insane. But um, there was a night at Devil's Bowl when they had a bunch of NASCAR drivers come in and Jimmy Spencer drove Gene's car because they're the only two guys the same size. <laughs> and uh, so that's that was that. <laughs> Man. Yeah, there was some sto- This was a fun one. This yeah. is one of the ones that we talk about wanting to do 
with people that aren't necessarily the huge names and the stars, but have great stories. And we just, we keep imploring and begging everybody to like go in and listen, even if you don't know who the person is, because everyone's got great stories. And this one in particular, like, I'm I mean, sure plenty of you yeah. have never heard of him before, but you're going to love the stories. Absolutely. If you listen, if you're uh, a dirt fan, you know who Gene Munger is. Um, if you were around devil's bowl or Albany, Saratoga or Canaan or bear Ridge or any of those tracks in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, you definitely know who Gene Munger is. Cause he, he won races. He won a lot of races and he's racing against, Jack Johnson and C.D. Coville and Kenny Tremont and Vince Quinville and, you know, all the top stars, and he's very good against them. But he's a very small-time racer and um, just a hometown guy who really didn't go beyond this little footprint here in New England. But um, the racing almost doesn't matter with, the, with, the, with this one. It's just it's amazing. What a life story. So definitely – Definitely think you're going to enjoy this one. Um, no story time this week right. because we have a new plan uh, to try to get back to bring you something every single week, but not necessarily being under the pressure of trying to find a guest for every single week, especially through the summertime when both of us are far more busy as well as most racers are far more busy. Uh, so we're going to break story time off into its own kind of solo episode. So you'll have an interview one week, a story time the next week, so on and so forth. And I think we're going to try to make story times a little longer for you in that sense. And then... I mean, and we have barely spitballed, and this all kind of was brainchild today as we record this on Monday? It's Monday. Yeah, today's Monday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whether Justin and I are going to hop on and shoot the shit for 20 minutes to catch up, which we love to do, or whatever it may be, it, they're not going to be as long as our normal interview episodes, you know, Justin's not going to read a script for an hour and a half. I could, he could, uh, but we'll figure it out. Who knows? Maybe that's where we'll talk. Maybe some current events in racing. Yeah. That's I've had that thought since we spoke earlier today about that too. I think that might be a good way to catch up on things. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the reason why I want to do the story time on alternating weeks is because I miss, I miss you. <laughs> this, this every other week thing, it, it's hard to do a guest every week as we found and prepare for that and do it right. And then do the editing. Cause we're, we're last minute people. And Tom is up till, you know, the episode goes live at 12 o'clock. So he's up until 1159 at night doing it. Um, so that doesn't work, but you and I not talking every week doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) I miss you, Tom. Miss you too, buddy. And all right, 
So, yeah, so that's the plan. So no story time this week, but story time presented by Pro Heat next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's interesting because now I'm going to have to – I mean, we did talk about the, the script should be longer because, you know, it's usually – eight to 11 minutes for story time every week. Right. Which, you know, it's sort of, a, I mean, that's, that's good yeah, when it's five to 10, it's in a five to 10 window. Sure. Okay. And that's, that works great for this format. When it's in one of embedded in one of these shows, but when it's on its own thing, it's, that's a little short. So I'll, I'll figure out a little bit. I can pack some more stuff into the, into the story time things and we can, we can bat some stuff around ourselves too. So that'll give you something, some sort of content. Bam. Yeah. Bam. And then, you know, we'll get back into the pop-up videos and all that stuff. Kind of once we get the spring summertime kind of rhythm back and really just kind of catch up on, the hour change, especially for me <laughs> going from, we record these at night and then during the winter, that's fine and all dandy. And now I'm up at, you know, four thirty every day. So, yeah. and spring at the golf course tends to be very labor intensive as we're getting ready for, for everything. So I very much would predict that in the next week or so, we'll start getting back in, the video rhythm. Yeah. We've got a few game of the weeks up there though. The if you no want to check them out from no yeah. fouls on the YouTube page, we had a pop-up video ready to go. We just got to do kind of an open for it. And I keep tinkering with different ideas that take me more time, which is kind of the problem with the way we do things is we always think of cool new ideas. And so we're going to work on that, and then hopefully those will be able to come a little faster and quicker. Yeah. By the way, your new look for the pop-up video is uh, chef's kiss. Yeah, it went... Uh, Real sharp. Yeah, a little sharper, a little simpler, actually. Yeah. A few less bells and whistles, but a little cleaner, precise. It. It rocks pretty good, I think, and crispy, fresh, like a, okay, like a head of lettuce. Oh, I just remembered. I have the tooth fairy has to come visit Isabella tonight. So, from a head of lettuce, is that where you got that? I, I've got a lot of things just floating. Okay, because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I can, when can I work on that? I'm like, oh crap. I got to do that tonight. Well, mm. I got to make sure that, you know, the tooth fairy comes and can get in there tonight. Are you doing coins or are you doing like fives? Or are you doing like fives? How was, how was, the- I was, I was very excited the first time the tooth fairy came for my kids. And I went and the tooth fairy went with a five. Oh boy. So now the precedent has been set. Tooth Fairy is going to spend some serious money by the time all these teeth are out of these kids. Unbelievable. 
Wow. And you're just getting started. Yeah, TJ, I think TJ's probably like five teeth in. Wow. Izzy's only probably a couple. Mm. But you just lost one today. Rowan is just very upset that he hasn't had one come out yet. So we're keeping an eye on him. Grab a pair of pliers. Yes. He's feeling very left out. Yeah. Such is the uh, the downfall of being the baby. That's right. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, springtime and t-ball and all of these things. Yeah, we've got t-ball going on too now, but I'm not as deeply involved as you are. You're coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. They were. Uh, they needed some coaches, and my kids make up almost literally half of the team, so I felt a little bit of pressure to, you know what, I'm there anyway. I can't just drop them off for practice and leave, so. See ya. Same with the game, so really, it's not that much more work for me. T-ball practices are not super involved and intense it's not like putting together a you know high school basketball practice (laughs) right it's like hey go throw the ball okay come hit the ball come hit the ball okay guys wrap it up (laughs) we're done oh it's good yeah so uh, unfortunately stafford got postponed Mm-hmm. Looking forward to seeing the return of Mr. Brian Hoare. Yes. Uh, in the 45 New York, which is real odd. But I get it. Yeah. Although, you know what? Bad juju. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my soapbox here, and I don't do this a lot. But uh, is the state abbreviation thing even necessary anymore? No, really. A, there's a Kansas... 31 Kansas and I saw Kentucky last year and Bobby Therian is 5x that's not a state yeah uh, I think Derek O'Donnell was 7k officially at the milk bowl last year so like Emily Packer was 9x during 9X that stretch 9. when there was what five nines yeah in the field for ACT races yep yep I think Josh Masterson was 11x VT for a minute so let's just end the silliness. And I know that I'll I'll get in trouble for that, but whatever. Or, you know, crazy thought. Just be like, hey, sorry, only one of each number. Oh. I know they won't do that because they want to have be able to have people come in and not from other places. All over the cars. I yeah. get it. Yeah, but I get it. I just I remember part of me like when you see it at a local track and it's two local guys, like, no, fucking pick another number. Right. Like, it's one thing if, oh, this guy from, you know, whatever, White Mountain is coming to Thunder Road this week. He's in New Hampshire, whatever. Okay. When it's, oh, I just wanted to be the same number and we're both from freaking Hadwick and. Hadwick. 
I want the same number. He already has it, so I'll just put that I'm from freaking North Carolina or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, pick another number. Uh, who was it? Wasn't it? Um, who's the kid that the rally racer that drove for Eric Chase there for a hot minute? Connor Martell. Yeah. He was 21 Montana, wasn't he? Something like that. Which I I think I figured out what's up with that. They had a VT on the car. And all you got to do is draw two straight lines down the side of the V, and it makes an M. So maybe there was a 21 VT, probably Blair or somebody. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, get off our old man. Get off the old man stoop. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I I get it if people come in from other places, but when people from the same place running for the same championship or whatever have the same number, like – yeah, F off. I remember when I was hand scoring for ACT a hundred years ago. There was a heat race, a tour, a tour race, and there were four nines in the same heat race. Eight cars on the track, and four of them are nine. And of course, they all started next to each other. It wasn't like it was first and fifth and seventh and eighth. It was, you know, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. They were all together. Three of them were white. <laughs> it was a freaking nightmare. Yeah. I get it. Emily Packer wants to be nine. Well, guess what? Chip Grenier's already nine. You're running in the same place. Pick and a different number. Yvonne Bedard's been nine for 40 years, so you can both figure it out. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Old man yells at Cloud. Right. Should we get to the interview? <laughs> let's let's talk about our sponsors real quick, and then we'll get to the interview. Did you see Barry Tile? Like, just tonight as we're oh yeah new facebook post i did see it some fresh looking countertops Mm. and a beautiful shower whole like the whole bathroom oh my god amazing guys they haven't been in business this long because they do an adequate job they've been here this long because they do a great freaking job yeah God, it's so it's so nice. Check out. in the name, but they they do it all. It's 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 tile, it's carpeting, it's hardwood, it's um, laminate floors. If you need that, if you want a backsplash for your sink in your kitchen, if you want a new shower, if you want just all the things, it's so they're so good at what they do. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Eventually, we keep saying it. We're gonna get down there. Check out the showroom floor. Meet some people. Hmm. Are you going to Thunder Road this weekend? Probably. I got T-ball Saturday morning, and then I have to work at the golf course Sunday morning. So unlikely. I I think that's also unlikely for me. I have T-ball and uh, something else Saturday, and then Sunday night is the first Girl Scouts meeting. Good God. Yeah, I'm not a scout guy. We tried Boy Scouts with my stepson, the oldest, and it was just, it was 90% them just asking parents to do stuff. Yeah. And to try to make them money. Yep. And then I end up in the freaking cold all night to like one in the morning making freaking wreaths that they got a seven-year-old to go door to door to sell, which he didn't do that. Parents did that. 
and then he refuses to put them together. And we've collected this money, so guess what? It is now my responsibility to make these freaking wreaths. I just picked up 11 pizza kits today at Evelyn School from Little Caesars from their fundraiser, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're not delivering them. You're delivering them. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, please refrigerate immediately. 11 pizzas? What the hell am I going to do with 11 pizzas? I'm not uh, yeah. so yeah, Barry Tile. Let's go. I'm sure some, Tile. maybe some scout programs and troops <laughs> are more involved, but it was just a lot of fundraising and yeah. a lot of me paying money for like an outing of hey, sleep in a tent at the drive-in and watch a movie. Like, yeah, this would have been a lot cheaper for me to just bring the car to the drive-in. <laughs> Hell, you could walk to the drive-in from where you guys live. Yeah. And he didn't even have to set up the tent. (laughs) I had to set up the tent. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Shots fired at the scouts. uh, What you could have used in that tent was a generator. True. It It was a chilly night. Get us back on course here. I think I woke up that morning and I had a flat tire too. Come on. No, I specifically remember that. And I drove my car with a flat tire (laughs) to the gas station (laughs) right down on the corner. Yeah. And they wouldn't give me change for the air machine because they didn't have cash. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll buy this soda with my debit card. Just charge me an extra dollar and give me four quarters. Yeah, we can't do that. Clearly, you're over it. Yeah. Very sidetracked here this evening. Uh, Yeah, generators. (laughs) Always good. My kids have been talking constantly about wanting to go camping. Mm, Yep. And we did it once last year. We did backyard camping with the tent. But I also know, especially if we go somewhere camping... I question my kids' attention spans mm. for that long, yeah. detached from tablets. If we have a little bring-along generator, a little tablet time, we'll could make camping in. a heck of a lot easier, I think, oh, on Dad. Oh, man. You got that right. Yeah. Um, we don't do camping, Tom. So I don't have to worry about that so much, but... Yeah, I guess we do need it. Yeah, because we're. I don't want to do camping, but we're we're probably going to end up doing camping. I suggest starting with backyard camping. Yeah, yeah. I did get a little taste there at the milk bowl and realized what we don't have is a generator, and that's exactly what we could have used and and definitely needed it. To be fair, I think a nice tent might have been but more roomy and comfortable. Than less mold. Your milk bowl camping experience. Did he ever come back and get that camper? You know what? We actually looked at our house on Google Maps and uh it's on the south. That camper's in the driveway. So they did it for like the week that we had the camper. <laughs> so now it's <laughs> it's there in the driveway. Oh God. Yeah. Anyway, should have called Ben Bushy, Bushy's generator sales and service. 
uh, Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. And yes, we're talking about portable generators, but um, home standby propane generators, uh, the number one dealer, Briggs and Stratton, and they do Kohler as well. And $500, your time is running out. If you want to save yourself $500 on a, on a generator, um, get a hold of Bushies between now and the Memorial Day Classic at T Road at the end of this month. It's now May. So you, you've only got a couple of weeks left. Um, and tell them that Uncommon Deeds sent you. Get got that, it. get that discount, man. Mm. And then take that discount you got. Take that $500. And put that towards getting your pride and joy restored. Mm. Yeah. You like that yeah, transition? I do like that transition. By Valley Collision and Restoration in yes, Albany, New you. Hampshire. And thank you for saying restoration because I messed it up last week and said repair the whole show. And that's I, I'm wrong. It's Valley Collision and Restoration. Um, go to Albany, New Hampshire, just outside of Conway. And um, Stefan Beatty. Who has who has been a listener of the show, um, approached us about being a sponsor, and just today, here on May first, this is Monday, so you're listening to it on Tuesday, but today is the 29th anniversary of the passing of Ayrton Senna, the Formula One champion, and Stefan is on vacation in Italy right now, as we speak, and went to the track at Imola and saw the. Ayrton Senna memorial kind of little park thing with a statue and stuff. There's an uncommon deed sticker and a Valley collision and restoration sticker on one of the memorials right there. And he took a picture of his uncommon deeds t-shirt right next to the, the Senna statue. And so there we are, we're in Imola. I'd like to believe that he took that uncommon deeds t-shirt off his back, (laughs) set it down for the picture and, a lot of Italians wondering why this man has no shirt on taking pictures of his shirt uh, with the statue. No disrespect to Senna, but it would have been great if, if Stefan had climbed up the statue and put the T-shirt on the Senna statue just for the picture, just for the photo op, and then pray the rosary and get out of there. But... Uh, <laughs> We do not support or condone <laughs> vandalization. But if you That's do, right. send us a picture. If you do. So uh, you can see those pictures on our Facebook. And thanks to Stefan for being such a cool dude about this. Um, Valley Collision and Restoration. Um, he does classic cars. He does vintage race cars. Or if you have a shopping cart bounce off the thing in the parking lot at Shaw's, and you want it repaired, something literally just yesterday went down the side of my car. Probably not going to get it fixed because it's 320,000 miles old, but I'm upset about it. Um, he can take care of that for you and and do good work and and talk racing, and you never know when Dale Shaw is going to show up. So um, that'll be fun. Without further ado, I feel like now is a good time before this continues to spiral to go ahead and let Justin make today's introduction. Oh, we've got one of the guys that I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. Uh, he is a a legend down at Devil's Bowl Speedway, um, down my home track, and a big winner at the Albany Saratoga Speedway and the Canaan Dirt Speedway. And I'm not sure if anywhere else, but we'll find out. And uh, he was one of the most exciting guys 
one of the most popular local guys at Devil's Bowl for sure during his heyday. And now he's got a kid out there. So it's uh, my pleasure to welcome the flying farmer, Gene Munger, to Uncommon Deeds. We usually kind of start this at the beginning, and that is when you remember motorsports coming into your life. Uh, my father took me to the races a few times, and and not a lot, but, you know, we went to Devil's Bowl quite a bit. I, I was a Vince Quinville fan, and uh, my father was a Pete Corey fan. So we went once in a while, not, not a whole lot, but um, and I liked it. But it didn't really catch on until uh, I got out of high school, and my ex-brother-in-law at the time suggested maybe we ought to put a car together. So we found an old Malibu somewhere and ran in the six-cylinder class. And he was supposed to drive it some, but his mother wasn't too keen on it, so I ended up in the seat. About when was that? What year? That was 1980. 80. I was a year out of high school. Okay. So this is the West Haven Speedway era. Yeah. With Tom yep. Perry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What were, what were those years like? They were good. Tom was a good guy. I liked Tom. Um, and I got along with all the Richards, too. So it was a good deal. Yeah. But I did that. I raced a six-cylinder only for one year, and then we, we got a late model. I think we ran that for two years. And then uh, in 83, my father surprised me one day. We were we were milking cows, actually. And he says, uh, after we get done milking, we're going to take a little ride. Well, the little ride was down to West Sand Lake to Donnie Ackner's shop, where we purchased his modified from him. Whoa. And then uh, we, a couple of weeks later, we went up to Gardner Stone's shop and bought a Keith Black big block, 427 big block out of one of his little mini pulling tractors and stuck that in it. Because this is the time they, they, I think in 82, they ran small blocks and then they switched to big block the year that I started. So I got thrown to the wolves with a big block. So your dad was a big supporter? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he paid for everything. You know, they got me started in that. It uh, sort of sounds like you had no idea it was coming. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I. We were just racing the late model. Really, we we weren't doing that great with it. We had a few good runs, but nothing extravagant. But I guess he always he always wanted to race and never had the chance. So. So here's Jack Johnson, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah, the kid right in. Yeah, CD and all yeah. that. Yeah. Good yeah, these God. kids today have no idea. They have it easy. They start out in the rookie class and the limited sportsmen, and it's a lot, lot simpler. <clears throat> you had a little bit of a knot in your stomach when you looked over ne- to the lineup next to you, and there's C.D. Colville sitting there. Damn. So uh, did your dad have any knowledge of race cars? I mean, was was there anything? Not really. Did you have he a was, notebook? He was a, great me- he was a great mechanic, but. You know, none of us had any knowledge of car setup or anything, you know. I mean, Ackner helped us quite a bit with that first one, and we actually went pretty good. We uh, we ended up fifth in points that year at Devil's Bowl, which was pretty good at the time. What was the hardest part of that learning curve about figuring it out? Uh, 
making it go left. And with that big block in there, that first car we had, my God, it would pick the left front tire off the ground about three feet. Couldn't even see where you're going. It took a while to figure that out. Of course, we didn't we didn't know nothing about anything setting one up. We had several different people that helped us out. Actually, CD was CD Colville was a big helper of mine. He he helped me quite a bit with different stuff. But he'd set my car up for me, and I couldn't really drive it the way he set it up. But we just had eventually had to learn ourselves, you know. Were you uh, a heavy right foot? I mean, a 427, is it's easy to step on it and go, but did you have any sort of throttle control, or was that the biggest problem, or uh, how, how were you behind the seat or behind uh, the wheel? I wasn't too, too bad starting out, you know, like that. Um, we we didn't go terrible, but it was, it was a big step up from a six-cylinder. <clears throat> yeah, hot damn, I guess so. A lot different. Hmm. So you said you finished fifth in points. Um, how how do you do that in your first year with no knowledge? I mean, that seems. I think we were real lucky. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were I mean, consistent. You know, we always we finished a lot in the top ten. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if we ever even had. Well, we did finish. We finished fifth in the first hundred lapper I ever ran. At the end of the year, they had a hundred lapper, and I finished fifth in it. But that was a, you know, it was a battle of attrition too. So, well, I was going to kind of say that. I mean, and don't take this as a put down by any means. But sometimes, if you run the full season, you end up up there because nobody else does. You know, exactly. exactly. Is, was that the case? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The same with that hundred lapper. We we finished fifth, and we we just hung in there. I think we were lapped down, but. We still finished fifth, and we ended up – we went into the night. Uh, I remember there was an article in the Rolling Herald. We went into the night, a chance to win the points. We were still that close. I think Denny Saltis ended up winning it, and uh, we went into the night with a chance to, to still win. Well, of course, we didn't, but, uh, you know, we, we were close enough to. How much time are you putting into racing during the week? At that point, is it still a hobby? Are you working full time and almost full time racing? Well, I was on the farm working on the farm then, and I mean, we went to we started milking cows at four in the morning, and we didn't get done till five or six at night. So, but we were young; we didn't know any better. When you got done milking cows, you went over and started working on a race car till midnight. Didn't really bother us then. Those days are over. Which which is harder now, the milking or the race cars? Yeah, I don't milk cows anymore. <laughs> I, I got done with that in the eighties. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's a pretty decent start um, in your first year in a modified. Um, were you running Devil's Bowl in Albany, Saratoga at the time, or were you running Airborne at all? Or actually, were yeah, we were running. We were running all three. Wow. A lot of the time we ran Malta, Airborne, and uh, and Devil's Bowl. We'd get home from Airborne at 1, 2 in the morning, go get a couple hours sleep and go milk cows and, and go work on the race car and get it ready for for uh, Sunday night, you know. That's a little insane. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I had a lot of help, you know. My, 
you know, I had, uh, you know, my brother-in-law at the time I was married to my sister, Colleen. Colleen's always been my biggest helper. So we had, we had plenty of help. I had a lot of good crew guys over the years. What well, made it a lot easier. How kind of vital for you was getting all that seat time at that point in terms of your development? Could you oh, have I think it progressed if you were still just, you know, once a week? Yeah, I think that helped a lot, you know, especially the way I got thrown into it, just uh, jumping in the seat against those that some kind of caliber of drivers, you know. You had to learn quick or get run over. What was the first night that you were like, okay, we got it. We, I feel like we know what we're doing. Um, I don't really think that came until I started driving for Mike Richards. Um, probably when I really felt like we got going good, we, I started driving for Mike in 87. I, I actually, I'm probably moving along here too quick. I, in the in the fall of my first year, eighty three of driving, um, I got shot um, twice, and that was a big setback. It, my wife at the time was involved with a guy that ended up shooting me, and uh, that really kind of screwed me up for a while. I raced in eighty four, but my heart really wasn't in it, and at the end of eighty four, I I quit. You know, we sold the car, and I got out of it. Um, I didn't race in 85 or 86. And then in 87, um, Mikey Richard had had Bob Savoy was driving for him, and Bob quit. Uh, I can't remember if it was – I think it was at the end of 86, Bob quit. And 87, Mike had a couple different guys in the car at the beginning with, and we kept bugging him. My brother-in-law and I kept bugging him for me to drive, and we finally talked him into it. It took a while, but I think it was in end of May we finally started, you know, started driving for Mike. And uh, we we still, you know, nothing wrong. Mikey knew about motors, but he didn't know about cars at all. Bob Savoy was the one that, that, you know, did all the setup and everything, and when we got it, we weren't going good. And I remember we had a, it was an L&R car built by Steve Bosley down in Malta. Oh, sure. Yeah. Was, yeah. No, Steve. Yeah, uh, L&R was pretty famous. Yeah. 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 Great guy. And uh, we finally, we weren't going too good the first few races. So we took the car down to him and, and he was the one that he showed us how to set it up and went through everything with us so you could understand it. And that was a big break point. We came home, the, I think the next week we went to uh, Airborne, and I ran second up there. Can't remember who won, but I ran second. And I came home, and I, I remember telling my father that, uh, you know, we geez, we ran good last night. He said, I think we're on the verge of winning. Well, that was the week that the next week Vince Quinville got killed. and. Uh, you know, Vince was kind of a hero of mine. And uh, so they had that big memorial for him that Sunday. Yeah, we went, out and uh, yeah. we went out and won it, you know. Yeah. So let's hit the brakes here. <laughs> um, 
you you can tell us as much or as little as you feel like, but uh, uh, you got shot. <laughs> That's fairly significant, yeah. right? Yeah, it was pretty significant. It was. Yeah. A, I got shot with a forty-five. Um, first one missed my heart by an eighth of an inch. Came out my lower shoulder, and the second one went in my lower back and came out my belly button. That one made a mess. Yeah. Um, damn. Uh, so I guess everything is on hold at that point, right? Uh, not only who cares about racing, but were you fighting for your life or was this you know, actually, survivable, obviously? Yeah, actually, no, I guess. I think I, I think I missed nine days of work. Something like I, I uh, got out of the high school or got out of the hospital because it was going to be the first day of deer season. I weren't missing that. I went hunting. I shot shot a deer the first five minutes of the season. And of course, we were dragging it out, and I ripped all my stitches out. So I had to go back over to the hospital and get them put back in. The doctor weren't very happy with me. My God, how big was the deer? Yeah, not very big. <laughs> not worth it? No, probably not. I weren't missing deer season for nothing. Man. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> shit. Um, all right, so you've you got to pick up the pieces there. Um, and, you know, the Richardsdale farm car was the 75, you know, it's a West Haven car. And everybody thinks Devil's Bowl is in Fairhaven, but it's not. It's in West Haven. There's more cows in the barn next door than there are people that live in the town. And <laughs> yeah. um, so there's got to be some pride there um, that the hometown car is, is running well. And, you know, you're from way off in Benson Landing. <laughs> you know, you're an outsider. Yeah, yeah, you're an outsider. But um, yeah. But that's, you know, that's very much a homegrown team. And you feel like you're getting it. Um, that's got to be kind of a source of pride for you when you're racing against, you know, Donnie Ackner and uh, the big guns at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's when I really felt like we got going pretty good. You know, we were finishing in the top five all the time and most of the time. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't a big winner, but uh, we won our share and always had a, we always had a good time. I raced for Mike my whole career, on and off. I retired a couple times on him, and then he talked me into coming back, and we always got along good, and that's that was good for me. You know, I didn't have to invest a pile of money to go racing. You seem like a very kind of super chill, what happens happens, there to have a good time, but how important and you know, meaningful was that Vince Quinville Memorial win for you? Oh, that was like, couldn't believe it happened, you know? I mean, um, kind of like you win your, you win your biggest race ever, your first race, you know? I never won, I don't think I ever won anything that was more prestigious than that, you know? I mean, that was a, that was a big deal when Vince got killed, you know? That's probably probably one of the biggest crowds in the history of the track, for sure. Yeah, he, he was killed in a. For reference, for people that wouldn't know, 
um, Vince Quinville Sr. We've had Vince Jr. on the show. Of course, Sr. and Jr. is not really true. They had different middle names. Anyway, Vince Sr. was uh, a trucker, truck driver, and was killed on the Northway over in New York um, in July of 87. And this was midweek, maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Sunday night, they had a big race at Devil's Bowl to sort of as a, a memorial. And everybody, of course, is hurting. You know, he was the most popular guy, the biggest winner, track champion, all this. And, um, you know, everybody loved Vince. And the racing was just about not important that night. It seemed like, oh, by the way, we're going to race cars too. But it was a, it was a big kind of send off for Vince, right? Yeah, yeah, it was they had his car there, you know. They had a big to deal, big to do down at Malta too on Friday night and I remember uh they came over before the feature and they told us to pull in on the white flag lap when you when you going down the back stretch after you took the white flag, the white was actually gonna be the checkered and you were supposed to pull in, you know, on the back stretch and let Vince you know, theoretically, Vince come around and take the checkered. Well, uh, I finished fourth down there that night. And Claude, i never forget, Claude Horde was the leader, never pulled in. He, he just blanked out and never pulled in. All the rest of us pulled in. I think yeah. uh, I think CD was third and I was fourth. And we, you know, we pulled off. So Sunday night, um, I ended up, I was starting on the pole. And uh, Tom LaPlaca, who was uh, a teacher at my high school I grew up with, he was actually the principal. He came over. He was like a pit steward or something. He came over before the feature, and he said, now, if you, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got to pull in on the white flag lap going down the backstretch if you're leading. And, uh, he said, you, are, you do expect to be leading, don't you? And I, I said, well, pretty damn likely. You know, I'll be a smart ass, but uh, I ended up being the one lead. Luckily, I remembered to pull in. What What is that like for you to be out there, you know, thinking ahead of time that you might have a shot, and then as the race develops, you know, you look up at the lap counter when you can, and you realize, oh, my God, I haven't heard anybody come up and rattle on my back bumper and well, I had somebody right beside me, the whole lot, Jeff Harrison and Don Ronka. Yeah. Jeff actually got by me a couple times, you know, but I got back by him and we kind of raced side by side the whole race. And then actually Donnie Ronka got up beside me on the last lap because Jeff, Jeff kind of half spun out. And uh, Don Ronka got up beside me down in turn one. I saw him, you know, I saw his whole door and, even in the back end of the car, but I had the momentum going down the back stretch, and we ended up beating him to the flag. Actually, he he got in the third and fourth turn and half spun out, and Jeff Harrison got back by him, so Jeff finished second. But luckily, we were able to hang on. In a situation like that, where it's you know a memorial race so close to when it happened, and you win, <laughs> could you even like fully appreciate at the time? that you won or was there just so much emotion at that track that weekend where you couldn't even fully grasp, you know, the first win? 
Well, we took care of that because we went to the somewhere until about four in the morning. Uh, I think three nights in a row afterwards. So we, we got where we appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, I there's a, a video of it on YouTube and the place just absolutely comes apart. I mean, everybody, like I said, everybody's fragile beginning the night. And to have, again, that local car, that local kid, the story of the first win and on top of all that stuff, um, you know, they, they really went nuts for you. Did you, were you able to absorb it in the moment and, and like realize even right then in victory lane, what you guys had done? No, probably not. You know, it was, it was a shock, you know, I mean, we were running fairly decent, but I didn't know if we'd, you know, pull out a win on a night like that, you know, I mean, it was great because, Vince was my hero growing up, you know, and I mean, I got to race against him a lot, so that was good, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, he helped me out on different occasions, so he was just a good guy. Were you able to build momentum off that first win? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we, you know, from then on, we kind of got running a lot better. Uh, you know, the next year, I, we didn't win again that year but i think the next year we won we won our first race at malta and that was a big deal because that you know that place was that was a tough place everybody and that was anybody was down there racing and that i'm actually more proud of i got five wins at malta which is pretty good for somebody you know mediocre driver to win five times at that place you look in the record books there's I don't know how many winners there are with one win at that place, and some of them are pretty damn good drivers. So winning five down there, was that's a big deal, I think. Who were you racing against that night? Oh, CD. Um, I can't remember. I think I can't remember who finished. Oh, Ronnie Proctor finished second, um, I believe it was. No, Claude Horde. I think it was Claude Hoard for the second. I think Ronnie Proctor was up there. CD was third or fourth. I can't remember, but uh, you know that was a that was a good race too. That was right down to the wire. Yeah, I, I just found out while you were saying it. Gene Munger, CD Covo, Claude Hoard, top three. That's pretty good company down there. Yeah. So you know, you guys are kind of plugging along, and then. You hit a dry spell. Did you? When did you stop racing the first time? Uh, eighty nine. I I got done in like uh, I think it was eighty nine, middle eighty nine. I retired for a year or two, and then I think we picked it back up, and I think I started driving for him again in ninety one or something like that. You know, you're awful young to be retiring. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I got bored or what. I think I had a girlfriend at the time, didn't like it very much. <laughs> Trying to not get shot again. Yeah, maybe that was it. <laughs> Jesus. In between, though, I fell in the lake a couple times, about killed myself. I've heard about this, too. Can you tell us the, <laughs> the, the fun there? Oh, I can't even remember what year that was, but my mother's dog fell through the lake. It was like end of December 
my mother's dog fell through the lake and was out there swimming around and on thin ice and I tried to go out and get her and I ended up in the drink with the dog. Dog only lived about five, ten minutes. Luckily, I think I was in there for a good half an hour before they finally got me out of there. I wasn't in very good shape. I was a little on the cold side. Yeah. But we survived it. And I did it again quite a few years later, being stupid. Uh, I was down helping Dave Kamara get his car ready for Fonda. It was April. I had left some tip-ups in down the, down the lake a ways, and I took the four-wheeler, didn't tell anybody I was even going, went down there and walked out, got four or five tip-ups and got about 200 yards offshore. Next thing I knew, I was under the water, all right through. <laughs> there I was swimming around, thinking to myself, boy, you're pretty smart. Of course, back, I probably weighed 250, you know, swimming around in that water. I'm thinking with you fat bastard how are you going to get yourself out of this but i did i got myself up on the ice and got the hell out of there luckily that day it wasn't near so cold as the first time i went through well yeah april you're halfway to summer for christ's sake yeah it was like 50 degrees that day so it wasn't (laughs) terrible bad once i got out but that could have been bad yeah of course i think i think i uh i had been down helping dave most of the day, and I think we'd consumed a 12-pack of Twisted Teas, so that might not have helped either. You must be fun to insure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any. Oh, my God. Now, uh, you were in a bad motorcycle wreck, too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Was this around all this time, or...? That was in 92 I did that. Um, I was driving for Mike at the time. Got on the motorcycle. and have, We'd been working on the race car. We kept the race car at my shop at that time. I built a, a new garage, and we were keeping it there. And got done working on the car. I said, oh, I'm going out and have a beer at the wheel. Well, I didn't quite get there. Of course, I didn't drive a motorcycle very well back then. I was a little out of control. I came over the hill riding a wheelie just out the road from my house, and there stood a deer in the middle of the road. Jesus. She went to she went to take off, and she fell right down, so I drove right over the top of her. <laughs> went cartwheeling up the road. <laughs> I had a helmet on, but I didn't have it strapped on. Uh, last thing I remember seeing was a helmet about 50 feet out in front of me as I was rolling down the road. I had a, I got the, I got up, and rode to a friend's house that he used to work on the farm with us. He worked worked there for forty years. I knocked on his door, told him I needed a towel. I couldn't see; the blood was running down my head. And he looked at me. He said, "You need more than a towel." He said, "You half the side of your head's missing." Jesus. I think I had like I don't know forty, fifty stitches when he sold me out. Did you at least tell the doctor that you got another deer? Well, actually, was it the same guy? That's a funny part of it too, because I got up the next morning. Of course, I, I all I had on was a pair of shorts and a t-shirt, and flip flops. That's what I always ride motorcycle in, and uh, I didn't have no hide left anywhere. It's like getting burned, you know. You, you're all stiffened yeah. up. And I got up and I heard 
somebody hollering to me out the window. I looked out and my brother-in-law and the neighbor that worked on the farm there too, they were having the deer for breakfast. Invited me over for some venison. A little revenge, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, tough way to get one. God. Was that deer at least big or no? <laughs> yeah, it was a big doll. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So racing is about the safest thing you were doing then. Yeah, that's what they said in the article in Stock Car Racing Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> If you've got a home project going on, your first stop should be Barry Tile and Morrison Clark Incorporated. From flooring to kitchens, from bathrooms to outdoor projects, from your home to your business, they are number one in Central Vermont. As you've heard on this show, Justin and I are officially middle-aged super dads now. And one of our favorite hobbies is looking at the Barry Tile Facebook page to see their latest projects. I love the carpeting and hardwood flooring, and he loves the kitchen countertops and shower installations. And it's true. Barry Tile has been family owned for 50 years and their experience shows in every single job. It's high quality work by highly qualified people who can design and install everything you need to upgrade your home or office. It's not a big chain store. It's local people with common sense and a ton of skill. Be like us and check out the Barry Tile Facebook page to see some examples of their incredible work. Or you can give them a call at 802-476-0912. You can also stop into the showroom at 889 South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont, and tell them that the guys from Uncommon Deeds sent you. This winter has certainly reminded us of what it's like to be without electricity, and it's no fun at all. So don't let it happen again. Call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service so that you and your family are ready for the next storm. Whether it's Kohler or Briggs & Stratton, Bushy's is Vermont's leader for home standby generators and for Briggs & Stratton portable generators. With manufacturer-certified technicians, free in-home estimates, factory warranties, service after the sale, and 0% financing all available to you, it's easy to see why Bushy's is number one. And they're doing it again, by the way. When you call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service between now and Thunder Road's Memorial Day Classic, mention that you heard this ad on Uncommon Deeds and save $500. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service covers all of Vermont and New Hampshire, as well as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Give them a call at 802-591-1903 or visit their Facebook page or bushysgenerator.com. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service of Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. We keep your power hey new hampshire listeners valley collision and repair is the place to go for your auto body needs whether it's a classic restoration a vintage race car or a fender bender on your daily ride go see stefan Beatty in albany new hampshire just outside of conway this is top quality work folks if you're a classic car collector and you want a true showpiece this is your place drop the car off leave it there and let him do his magic the current long-term projects are a Mopar muscle car and a 1967 Austin Healey. Real beautiful stuff. But since it's New England and we're just coming out of winter, there are lots of little dings and dents and scratches that you want to get cleaned up. Stop on by Valley Collision and Repair to get it done right. Stefan Beatty has been a racer for 40 plus years, so you can always relive old memories while you're setting up the job with him. But when it's time to get some serious show quality work done in your car, there's no better shop than Valley Collision and Repair. Stop by on Route 16 in Albany, New Hampshire, or call 603-447-6112. Valley Collision and Repair. (laughs) 
So when did you get back into it? I think it was, well, I think 91, 91, I got back into it a little bit. And then, then we went racing, uh, 90, you know, 92 full time again. That's when, that's when I got in the motorcycle wreck. Actually, I missed, uh, I think I missed two weeks, but we were actually having motor trouble anyway. So we took the motor out and got it fixed and actually, Carl Vladica wanted to try sportsman racing. So we let him put his motor in our car and he drove that for a couple of weeks while I healed up enough to get back in the car. So shot multiple times, you only miss nine days of work. You lose almost half your head and you only miss two weeks. Yeah, I didn't miss any work for that. I went, I went back to work. Two two weeks of racing. So. Yeah, I missed two weeks. Two weeks in the car. Okay. I couldn't bend enough to get in it. Yeah. Anything else we need to know about you breaking yourself in half, or yeah. is that just about it? Yeah, there's been other adventures. Well, lay it all on the line here. Let's go. Well, let me see. About seven, eight years ago, I got run over by a skid steer at work. Run right over the top, man, and turned ninety degrees while it was running over me. Took both Gee, my boots. Took both my boots right off my feet. Oh. That was that wasn't very pleasant. That my legs have never been the same since then. Yeah. <sighs> Somebody get some bubble wrap for this guy. <laughs> Should have thought of that years ago. Yeah, I guess so. Um, once once you're healed up, you start running over at Canaan, right over in New Hampshire. Yeah, we started that. I think that was in, that might have been in 91. We might have run a couple times over there. I can't remember. But 92, we pretty much, we started running over there. I'm not sure why. We are just wanted, looking for something different, I think. And we, you know, we heard they ran the wing over there and stuff. And actually, the funny story about that, and Mikey suggested, you know, going over there and trying it. And he said, why don't you call over and ask them what the rules are? Because we, we weren't really sure. So I got on the phone, and I called over, and some lady answered. I, I told her who I was, not that she knew me, but I said, we're thinking about coming over Friday night. We kind of want to know what the rules were. And she says, well, we, we don't really have any. She said, she said, well, we got one rule. You've got to be sober when you get there. And I thought she was kidding. <laughs> well, she wasn't kidding. She says, no, you got to be sober when you come through the gate. We're not saying you got to be sober when you leave. <laughs> so oh. we got kick out of that and then when we got over there and saw saw what was racing there we're like oh my goodness i don't know if you remember uh oh we called him the crusher because he was always getting wrecked that ed tobin do you remember him Justin? yeah yeah yep oh my god he didn't even wear a fire suit yeah he'd, he'd go out there with a t-shirt on yeah i'm not he, surprised to hear that at all <laughs> they didn't care I mean the 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 rule book for the cars was as I recall the engine had to be in front of the driver and that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. They yeah. had big blocks over there. I mean Tobin always had a big block. He'd go buy a car from Danny Johnson every year at the end of the year, motor and all, hmm. and go racing with it. And I mean then they had some six cylinders over there. Of course you know how Canaan was. It was kind of sandy and stuff and and a night that it was slick, you you couldn't even you you couldn't catch the 
those six cylinders. They just drive right away from you. I know we. I think we won one year. We won like three, three or four races. I think and the first time I won, they were cheering and everything. And then the second time, I think it was the next week, they were a little cooler. And we won like a third time. They started throwing cans at you, full. <laughs> You'd be in victory lane, and a Pepsi can would go flying by your head. They were sick of us already. Did you guys enjoy that brand of? let's say creative control. I loved it over there. I mean, you had that wing, you know, you could just put your foot to the floor and leave it there. You know, pretty much run that place wide open. If you were, could find your way through traffic, you know, that was a big thing. It was traffic over there. Were you running anywhere else or did you have a second car or was oh, that yeah, just no, we the, were the only running thing? Devil's Bowl. We ran Devil's Bowl on Sunday night too. We just, was it with with the same car or a different? Yeah, yeah. We only ever had one car with Mike. Yeah. So how? I mean, how much work did you have to do to it? Was it as simple as changing out a roof for a wing, or or did you have all kinds of yeah, different stuff just, in there? Yeah, we had everything ready. Just bolted on the wing on Friday night and went over with it. A lot, a lot of times we ran drag rubber yeah. over there, you know. You'd run, God, you'd run 12 to 15 inches of stagger over there for that wing on there. Jeez. So, um, you guys did that for, I don't know, a year or two, right? And yeah, we, well, we dabbled there for several years. We didn't, we didn't run full time. We, we'd go over whenever we felt like it. Yeah. And of course, they had some big races there too that they paid a lot of money. Like, uh, they always had that Canaan Cup. Yes. I, I never won it. I, I, that's, kind of a big disappointment to me i always wanted to win that and i think i finished second two or three times just never got it done one night i was leading i think there was only like two or three laps to go and right rear shock broke off and the car was bouncing terrible and butch jelly got by me with two to go and won the race mm. well that was kind of heartbreaking but uh, we, you know, we had a good time over there i mean they paid uh they didn't pay a lot of money on a weekly show. I think it was only like 700 bucks to win, but those big shows like that Keenan cup, it was 3,500 to win for 30 laps, 35 or 35 laps. I think it was It's pretty good. Ne- I'll never forget the one that I broke the right rear shock on. Um, it went nonstop and, uh, it was over in eight minutes and 30 seconds. That was the time of the race, you know, um, the full feature. And we got $2,500 for a second and home we came. <laughs> Holy shit. That's pretty good. Pretty good money for eight minutes, you know? Yeah. You guys wow. really kind of got going at that point. That was whatever, 93 and three more wins in 94. Were Was that kind of the peak of confidence for you? Yeah, probably. I mean, I never really had a confidence problem. I didn't. I didn't get too alarmed about it. I'm pretty laid back. I, but, uh, yeah, we were going good then. So, 94, um, you know, you said your biggest win was, was Vince Quinville night in 87, but 94, you beat Brett Hearn for a win at Malta. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But uh, 
I think I started third, and I think Brett Hearn started 24th, so. Doesn't matter. That <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. doesn't matter, but he was coming. <laughs> was it we any sort coming. of a race at the end? or, or No, how did that... no, I was, I was way out there. He actually, Brett actually thought he was leading at the, at that point, he, he didn't even know. He, he thought he'd passed enough cars where maybe he was a leader. He didn't know that I was, I was a half straight away ahead or more. So, <laughs> Brett was a, he was a great guy. I liked racing against him. He actually, I knew Brett pretty well. Cause when we started buying teal cars, Danny, well, Dave Camaro was running them. I was helping them a lot. We'd actually go right down to teal and, Danny and I would go down there for two or three days and build a brand new car from the ground up. So I got to know Brett real well because he was in the back side of the shop. You know, I'd yeah. go over and hang out with him at night. That was that was pretty cool. He's he's yeah. a good guy. That weekend, you you actually swept both the CBRA tracks. You won at uh, Albany Saratoga on Friday night and Devil's Bowl on Sunday. I mean, that's that's hitting on all eight right there. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. I think the week before that we'd been second two at Malta and, and fourth at Devil's Ball or something if I remember. You know, we were going we were going good. That that was we'd bought a Mike had bought a it was one of the early down tube Bicknell cars. Um we bought from somebody and boy that car went good. It had a live rear end. You know, had inboard brakes and a live rear end. Not too many people had them in a modified at the time. And that, that car just went excellent. We won we won a couple different times over at Canaan with that too. What was the atmosphere in the pits at that time period? Was it, you know, all friendly? Was there any drama? Was everyone helping everybody? Yeah, pretty much. I mean there was always you know how racing is. There's always drama on different nights, but I I stayed out of it for the most part. I don't know how sometimes, but I mean, I think everybody, after all my mishaps, I think everybody thought I was half nuts anyway and just left me alone. Maybe that was it. I don't know. (laughs) Did you ever get hit by lightning? Somebody told me maybe you did that too. No, that's that's a wives tale. You can put that on the bucket list, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Did you step away again? Kind of at that point? Yeah, I stepped away, uh, I think it was in 95, middle of 95 or something. We weren't going too good, and I just got sick of it and stepped away for a while. And I actually didn't come back until, I think it was the end of 98. Mike had had, had uh, Bob Savoy running for him again, and they they had a history of getting in spats. And I guess Bob quit, and I think it was in – it might have been end of August or early September. And Mike come down to the shop with a had the rear end out of the car and needed help fixing it. So I fixed it. And when he got done, he said, hey, "Why don't you come drive the damn thing for me again?" I said, "Well, all right." So we ended up going to Granby, um, just because I'd been I'd been helping Camaras up there quite a bit, and uh, you know the couple of years I hadn't been racing. So we went up to Granby and raced, and all he had, he had an old Olsen car. I remember the, the body flapped in the wing wind most of the time. And, uh, we went up to Granby with it. And we didn't run too bad. 
And uh, so then the next week, we decided we're going to the Syracuse Qualifier over to Bear Ridge. And I'd ran Bear Ridge a couple times, but never cared for it a lot. But we went over. We ended up winning the Syracuse spot. So yeah, I I just assumed we weren't taking it. So they asked me, uh, you know, if I wanted the spot. Donnie, Donnie Scarborough actually won the race. And they gave you a choice of a Victoria 200 spot or a Syracuse spot. They gave away one each. So Donnie took the Victoria 200 spot, and they asked me, you know, you're taking the Syracuse. And I said, I'm not going to Syracuse with that thing. That friggin' body would have flown off halfway down the straightaway. <laughs> well, my sister's in the background shaking her head. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to Syracuse. You know, you're Syracuse going. is what, three weeks away. <laughs> so we ended up. Mike went and bought a, a show car that Mike Bruno had. It was sitting in his garage somewhere. It was complete, pretty much. We we just had to put our motor in it and get it lettered. But we, we got it done in time to go out there and race it. So that was pretty cool. What was that like on the mile? I I thought it was kind of boring, actually. I mean, we didn't have enough power to really worry too much about it i pretty much held my foot to the floor the whole time we still were all too slow so it was all right you you kind of don't even appreciate the speed out there until like uh i'll never forget somebody wrecked in front of us and and they were going to go into the wall and i went by him so quick that i never saw him hit the wall i come back around the car's half broken half and i'm thinking oh boy (laughs) That thing hit hard, you know. So it it was it would kind of lull you into a false sense of security out there. You're going that so fast, you know. Kind of like when they wreck at Daytona, you don't realize it until you're sideways yeah. at 190. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I went out there one year. Uh, I was helping Dave Kamara. I can't remember what year. It was probably in the 2000s. Um, Dave ran out there every year and. He couldn't come out till Thursday, so Danny had me go out with him, and and we practiced both cars. He had a brand-new big block. I mean, it had chrome, everything on it. And uh, so I went out, and I practiced with the small block, and we got pretty fast with that. But then I went out with the big block. I'll never forget. I, I'd never, I hadn't driven a big block since my first year I started. And they'd come a long way, you know. So I get out on the, I pulled out on the back stretch and stepped on the throttle and it burned the tires all the way to the third turn, just smoldered them, you know, <laughs> like, oh boy, this thing's got some power. So, geez, I got pretty fast with it. I got down in the 32 seconds, which was close to the pole for the year before. You know, we were, we were going good. I thought, well, there's nothing to this, you know. And about to, I think we ran 20 or 30 laps, and I kept getting a little braver. Well, I drove in the third turn and got my right rear up in the cinders there, and, oh, I almost went to the fence with that thing. We called Danny on the radio. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm coming in. He says, why? And I said, well, first off, I think i got to change my shorts. Um, I may have soiled them. I'm not sure. And I said, I don't want Dave coming out here and finding nothing but a crinkled-up pile of chrome. So we parked it for the day. That was enough of that. And a mess in his seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I didn't actually, but boy, I, I scared myself. I thought, and not, I wasn't scared of getting hurt. It was just, uh, I didn't want Dave coming out there on the next morning and there weren't nothing left, you know, because I did yeah. that in one of his cars down to Malta one night. It sounds like a story too. Yeah, it's a pretty good story. We went, it was the first race of the year and, uh, I think we went out, I think it was in the heat race. My car had a brand new motor in it and a little piece of something got in the oil pump and stuck the regulator open and we had no oil pressure. So we put it in the trailer and well, Dave had a brand new TO up in the top part of his hauler. It had, they'd been taking it to all the car shows. This thing had chrome. It even had a chrome skid pan on it. This car had chrome everything. It was beautiful. Man. Well, next thing I know, they're unloading it. And uh, he said, here, you're going to drive this thing. Well, I didn't want to drive it. I told him, I said, I don't want to drive that thing. It's not, not that important, you know. We weren't we weren't planning on running the whole year for points anyway. He, no, he said, you get in it, you're going to. Well, I had a, had a brand new tent, small block in it. That thing was potent. So, of course, I had to start at the rear of the feature. Well, about the fifth lap, I'm going down the back stretch with it. I'd already, I'd already passed quite a few cars with it, and all of a sudden, I see this yellow thing sitting crossways in the middle of the back stretch, and I ran right over the top of it. And I knew as I went over the top of it, it was the other 26 car driven by Dave Camara. Oh, no. <laughs> I barrel rolled it, I don't know, two or three times. We ended up right on top of one another. I ended up actually upside down on top of him. Uh, he had gotten tangled up with Jack Johnson and ended up spun out in the middle of the backstretch, and I just drove right over the top. And we got out. <laughs> Dave actually had to pull some of the tin away to get me out of the car because I was kind of half trapped in there. We get out of the car, and Dave said, he, I knew it was you, he said, when you went over the top of me, because I recognized the chrome skid pan. <laughs> Who else would have a chrome skid pan? He couldn't figure it. I said, it got to be his other car. So we we get out. We got them untangled. We head into the pits. We're both walking in, carrying our helmet. <laughs> we looked up, and old Dave Camara, the car owner, was standing up on top of the trailer with a grin on his face he said he looked down at us he says uh you two are nothing but an expense <laughs> and uh, he was probably right cool uh, though that it was very chill afterwards could have oh, been no, more they, awkward they, they, you know they didn't care I, actually my car really wasn't hurt it was just the body the body was done we had, we stripped it down the next day and put a new body on it but other than that my car weren't that bad. I, I told him, I said, it weren't my fault anyway. It's that idiot that spun out in front of me. It wrecked us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seems like you've built some pretty cool relationships over the years. Yeah, a very lot of them. Yeah. And not only at the races, I mean, uh, most of my sponsors now that sponsor my son are, are good friends of mine and you know, we've we've got a pretty good thing going here. We got we actually got more sponsors than we got room on the car, and uh, a lot of them are just relationships that I built it 
33 years of working at a tractor supply place, you know, working on people's equipment and stuff like that. So pretty good deal. That's a pretty good problem to have if you're a racer. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we could go win by win through the rest of your career, but that's a little boring. I mean, you, you were, you were consistent all the way through the two thousands. You guys were winning once, twice, three times a year, every year, devil's bowl in Malta. And I mean, you're, you're mixing it up, you know, but did you just age out of it or, or what, what got you done? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know, Justin. I just, uh, yeah, I got where it, it wasn't fun for me to go to, you know, just got where it got to be a chore. Um, I'm not really even sure. Um, I mean, we were, I was super busy at work and stuff and it just got where it wasn't fun for me anymore. And that's when I decided to get done. You know, I actually, I feel like as a driver, I, I think I quit, you know, when I was probably going the best really the you know the game had slowed down you know how they say that you know like in football and baseball and yeah. the game had slowed down for me where i could be totally out of control on the racetrack and it, it felt like nothing you know it uh you know i didn't feel like i was out of control at all but i could drive them pretty recklessly and still be in control of it you know the fact that you had walked away a couple times before already did that kind of make it easier the eventual last time yeah i never i never missed it or anything i bought a boat and got a motorcycle and went back to motorcycling after 25 years and i enjoyed it i'd probably still be doing that if young lad hadn't talked me into buying a car so let's talk about that uh, the flying farm boy. Um, they call him AJ Slideways, but come on, he's not. He has, he's not. He's not Alan Johnson here. He, he ain't progressed that far yet, has he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's coming into his own. AJ is doing a good job out there, um, and it looks like you guys are having fun together. Yeah, I've had a good time. It was it was good to get me off the couch and back doing it. I got my sister back helping me. That's that was the main thing. Was I couldn't do this without her. Um, and a lot of you know, I got a lot of good crew members um, that help out, and I couldn't do it without any of them. It's just a good deal. And we're only racing one night a week. It's not too too bad. We may run Malta a couple times this year. Just try it out. Do you think the kid's any good? Yeah. I hope he's a lot better than I was. He's winning races. Yeah, he's getting going. Is yeah. this a is this a thing that you foresee him doing forever, or does he have other interests? In in, I mean, he's still young. What's he twenty twenty one years old? Yeah, he's twenty two now. Sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if anybody really knows that, do they? You know, sometimes life throws you curveballs. So. Lord knows I've had enough of my way that swayed me one way or the other, you know. Are you just along for the ride as long as he wants to, or are you kind of reinvigorated being yeah. back involved? Yeah, I'm kind of reinvigorated. I've actually, we've actually got two cars um, 
this year. We had a second car. We were we were going to run that at Malta, but then a, a good friend of mine that used to be a crew member of mine approached me um, last fall. He's been he's raced super bikes for a long time, oh. you know, Daytona and stuff like that, and uh, he's fifty years old now. And actually, last year, two of his best friends got killed on a bike. And uh, he approached me last fall about doing this. And I uh, kind of hemmed and hawed because we were hoping to run the second car at, at Malta once in a while and not having to, you know, then we wouldn't have to turn around another car, you know, the same car for Saturday night. But uh, then he approached me again this, this spring, and I just thought to myself, you know, if if I don't do this and he gets killed on the bike this summer, I'm going to feel like shit. So I, uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. No, it's going to be a challenge because we're, you know, we're working out of the same garage, but, uh, he's very knowledgeable and, and, uh, he's a little crazy behind the wheel. So we'll see how it goes. But so we've actually, we got double the workload now, which is a little tough, but he's got some of his own crew members too. So hopefully, Hopefully we can make it work out. Have you gotten any bit of a little itch to maybe try to get behind the beal at all? I mean, we're in a current age of, it seems like all the old timers are coming back, whether it be asphalt with Gene Paul Sear and Brian Hoare or on the dirt at devil's bowl. The, uh, the old guys are making a comeback. No, I'm not coming back. I don't, I don't, I've got diabetes. I don't see as good as I used to. And, you know, like I don't bend. <laughs> it's hard for me to half crippled up. You know, I'm 62 years old. It's, you know, time to stay out of that. That's a young and your body's man. And your body's about 78 from all the. Yeah, my body's right. about 88, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly. Yeah. No, I don't have any, I don't, I got no desire to get back in it. See, I would have thought you'd been fine being a cat with all the lives. Yeah, not so. <laughs> all the lives are used up. Uh, no, I have no uh, no intention of getting back in. I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching my boy go, and that's good enough for me. All right, time for our Barry Tile quick hitters, and then we will uh, let you go. First up... Who's the guy you learn the most from by watching out the windshield on the racetrack? Uh, probably, probably CD Colville. Was there one thing in particular that you picked up from him or, um, just the way, I mean, he ran a car hard, you know, I mean, he ran in the corner like nobody, you know, and I tried to do that as much as I could. Sometimes it didn't always work out like he did, but. That's, that's what I tried to do, and he helped me a lot throughout the years. I mean, I worked in Rutland for quite a while in the, in the late 80s, and Clarence was over there right across the street from where I worked, working, driving for Jack Ryan. That's where they kept the cars, right there on Ranbury Road, and mm-hmm. so we were over there all the time. We had a running bet uh, who finished ahead of who had to buy lunch at uh, Friendly's on Friday, and yeah, CD didn't buy very many lunches. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the dumbest thing you ever did in the race car? Uh, I flipped one time under yellow. 
<laughs> what? That's a new one. Okay, yeah, give us that story. Well, I can't remember exactly how it happened. I think I think Ronnie. I believe it was it was Ronnie uh, Ronnie Proctor and I. I think we both flipped. If I remember, I can't I can't remember if Ronnie flipped too, but I think he did. But hey, we were coming down the straight. We came off the fourth turn, and the yellow came out, and we both let off the gas, and somehow we got locked together, and I ended up rolled over. I mean, it didn't really hurt nothing, but it was kind of embarrassing. And then I think another time I, uh, one time I went in the wall and practice. Uh, I think it was like the first or second lap of practice, first thing right off the get-go in the year. And the water truck had made a pass around the outside. And, of course, I'm there I am up on the outside and drove right straight in the wall, tore the rear end right out of the car. Mike was pretty impressed with that. I can imagine. Oh, that's a new one. Those are good. Yeah. Some of my worst wrecks were over at Canaan too. A boy I had a couple bad ones over there. Ran into the I ran into the back of one guy. I remember he stopped at the flag stand. And I mean it shortened my car right up to the radiator and I got out and I walked up and I looked in the car and he was, there was foam coming out of his mouth. I'm like, boy, that can't be good. I went back and got back in my car, sat there and waited for the wrecker. They took him, airlifted him. He, he ended up all right, but he's actually down. It's that Gus Am, Amberillis or something. Amberillis. Amberillis, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I ran in the back of him. He was he was crippled for a while. He Like for two weeks, he had no movement on one side. And he, you look at him today, he still walks with a limp. That's uh, how hard I hit him. He he just stopped on the front stretch, and I never saw him. Of course, with those wings on back then, you sometimes you didn't see a whole lot, you know. And I hit him wide open. I never forget. We went, we fixed the car, and we went. They had a a CRC race at Devils Bowl. We wrecked over there on a Wednesday, and I think they had a CRC race on Sunday night. And I put a front clip on the car by myself. We I cut it off and fabricated a new one, and we put it back on there, and uh, we went to Devil's Bowl with it, and I got in the car to go out for the heat race, and my seat belts wouldn't tighten up. Well, they had stretched six inches. I hit so hard, so <laughs> we had to put a new set of seat belts in, and we went out, and we ran fourth. Um I think Jimmy Horton won, and I think McCready was second, and Dave Camaro was third, and I was fourth. And I was Holy a, shit. Yeah, yeah, I was a pretty good for throwing a front clip on it in two days and going back out there. Pretty good. Yeah. And I had broke my foot. I had I hit so hard, I was my foot was still wide open when I hit, and it broke my foot. We were a little crippled. Who's the driver that you love to hang out with in the pits, but you wouldn't want to date your sister. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I mostly hung out with Dave Camara. Um, probably one of my favorite people to hang out with Gardner Stone. Gardner and I, we got oh, along yeah. great. I had a good, him and I were, we were pretty laid back. I mean, 
most of the time at Devil's Ball, I didn't even go out for warm-ups. We'd, him and I would sit in the air-conditioned uh, holler of his there until it was just time for the heat race and shorts and flip-flops, and then we'd go throw our suit on and go. Uh, oh, Gardner, Gardner was a lot of fun. I liked and, him. And you don't want him dating your sister either? Probably not. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'd have better race cars. If yeah, we well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, Jesus, uh, I don't want to ask any more questions because I'm afraid you're going to hurt yourself in, in the answers. Um, damn, uh, sounds like you've had a pretty good time. I had a real good time, yeah. Wouldn't trade any of it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, good luck to you guys this year, and, and thanks for doing the show with us. Very good. Thank you, Justin, Tom. The flying Farmer, Gene Munger. Another great episode in the books. God, there's some stories in this one you better have enjoyed. I did. I'm still enjoying them. Now, some of those comments from the open of the show make a lot more sense to you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we laughed a lot, but it wasn't because it was hilarious. Story. Oh, my dishwasher's done. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, I, I don't know if it was hilarious. It was just so uncomfortable. <laughs> we had no choice but to laugh, right? I mean, some of it was And more funny. so just because he was very nonchalant about it. Yeah, he was just like, oh, yeah, I got shot twice. And then uh, in 87, we uh, started racing again. And it's like, what? Huh? Oh, yeah. Through the back, out the belly button. Yeah. Oh, an eighth of an inch from my heart. Yeah. I wonder what happened to that guy. Oh. Should have asked. I never thought to look that up. Yeah. Damn. Good question. Mm. I feel like at some point we're going to have to have an episode where we just go back and ask one question to people that we forgot Track to ask people or... down. <laughs> Hop on the Zoom call for maybe five minutes. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one question. Oh, listen. Kelly Arison, who was episode 99, right? I did that story time about the Rutland Grand Prix, the kart race, right? Yes. Kelly Arison's name was in the program for that. And I, so I texted him and said, Hey, I got to, I want to pick your brain about that. And I, I did it before we recorded the story time, but he was busy and on the road and he got back to me after there was a Springfield Grand Prix the year before that, that he helped organize. Uh, unbelievable. I'd like to have him on just for that one question. Right. God, I feel like Justin, you and I are close to just doing our own Grand Prix. Foreshadowing. The Hardwick Grand Prix. I feel like Barry is possible. No one's on main, No one uses Main Street anyway. No. He could lay down in the middle of it. There's never any traffic. Uh, what would be a good city for that? City. Town. Not many cities. Um, maybe we could just do the 24 hours of route two. survive the potholes 
You get down to Plainfield, you find out what you're made of. Well, we'll be back next week. Hey. Hey, with story time. Story time and maybe something else. Who knows, right? We'll throw something at the the wall. See what sticks. I don't care for the way you said that. I don't care. Where can they find us, Tom? On Facebook. Yeah. On Twitter. On Instagram. It's Uncommon Deeds on the Twitter and the Facebook. Uncommon Deeds Podcast on the Instagram. Don't go chasing Instagram. Please stick to the social media that you used to. Okay, go ahead. You can send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Gmail. Okay, so uh, Thunder Road this weekend. Um, they're Saturday and Sunday, right? Um, past Saturday, ACT Sunday. Yep. Bear Ridge opens Saturday. Devil's Bowl opens Saturday. They're supposed to open last week and got rained out. Um, so it's here. I have a feeling that will be heavy in next week's mystery episode. I wonder if it, hmm, all three tracks are racing on Saturday. I wonder if that's ever happened before. That all yeah, three I'm tracks sure. of Vermont are racing on the same day. Bear Ridge doesn't ever run Sundays. And Thunder Road rarely runs Saturdays. Yeah, but recent years, they do a lot of the Saturday-Sunday. Yeah. For big events. I'm going to have to look that up. Maybe that'll be story time. Who knows? Mm. I had a plan, but now I've got a week to throw it away. What if your story time is about this coming Saturday? <laughs> there was a time. Yeah, it's three days ago. But <laughs> all three tracks. Uh, no, it's exciting times. Yeah. Tis here. Tis. And... I don't know when I'm going to get out to a track or you are, or let alone both of us at the same time in the same place, but Mm. it's going to happen. Yeah. But when the worst comes to worst, hopefully another live show at the middle. (laughs) We'll see you there. (laughs) Let's count on that one. Yeah. Don't count on it because you know, we haven't been approved for that yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Like I said, back next week with story time and Justin and I. Sounds good to me. You've been listening to Uncommon Deeds. This has been a production of Uncommon Media. <laughs>